Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, like I said, Friends and Family Month in July. We're starting this week. I believe we're starting strong. We're starting tall with Aaron Creasy. And, uh, and it just progressively goes tall and then Ben's kind of short next week. So we'll, you'll see that next week. But uh, it's going to be amazing this month, but we're going to start in an amazing way. We've already heard the message once this morning. Pastor Aaron is an amazing teacher of the Word. You're going to be so blessed by the message today. Him and Liz do an incredible job leading our young adults, leading the exchange. And so I would love it right now. Could you stand and could you welcome Pastor Aaron Creasy this morning as he comes to bring the Word? Good morning. How are we doing? Amazing. Um, July 4th, huh? It's coming up. You guys excited? July 4th is one of those uh, awesome holidays, but also weird holidays where it's socially acceptable to drug your dog. So it's like everyone takes joy in that for some reason. It's weird. So um, enjoy that. I know I am. Um, I got to sleep. Um, I hope you guys had a great weekend, that you're safe, you guys had fun, um, hope you continue to be safe and have it just a fantastic weekend. Uh, before we jump into the Word, I just want to take a moment and honor our pastors. How awesome are our pastors? Can we just give it up for them? I think I say this every time uh, I'm able to, but because of their yes, because of your yes, Liz and I's life has been changed forever, and we don't take that lightly, and um, I don't take it lightly that we're here right now, you know, standing on the stage that you've been graced with, so thank you, and um, thank you for your yes, thank you for all you've poured out for every person in this room through the building of this church, and um, it's an honor to be underneath your leadership and to build the church. <laughs> Love our pastors. Hey, um, we're going to be in John 4 today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're going to read a good amount of scripture as well, I was going to read 40, like, six verses, but then I cut it down to, like, 25, so you're welcome. Just joking, no. Um, the best thing I can do, actually, is read Scripture. Um, scripture is alive, and it's active, and it speaks for itself. And the cool thing is, is as I read Scripture and share it with you guys, it will speak differently to every person in this room and the, the place that you're in. So I, it's really important that we share scripture. The title of today, if you're looking for it, just giving you right off the bat, is Life with Jesus. Life with Jesus. And there's a big question that I want to kind of tackle today with you, and that I hope when you walk out of these doors, you're able to answer yourself, and it's this. How do I maintain a life with Jesus? How do I become one of the, the heroes in the faith that years and years from now, you have a glorious, beautiful relationship with Jesus? Because right now, we live in a world, we, we all know it, we're tired of preachers preaching about it, but it's true, that it's screaming, don't listen to Jesus, listen to yourself. But can I share with you, friend, we need Jesus. We, every single person on this earth needs a relationship with Jesus. And so I want to answer this question of how do we maintain this relationship? How do we go through the long haul? This message is kind of me wrestling with that question myself. 
I've had friends, close friends of mine that have walked away from the faith, and it's rocked me, you know? And I, I, I've, I've been asking this question, how do we do this for the long haul? And so in this message, I've been wrestling with it, and I'm really excited to share it with you today, and I hope that you guys can glean something from it. You ready? Cool. We're going to do three things today. I'm going to show you the entire Christian life. i got 30 minutes, but I'm going to take three hours. Entire Christian life. The second thing I'm going to show you is an answer to a big question. And the third and final thing I want to show you is a sculpture at the Vatican City. The entire Christian life, an answer to a big question, and a sculpture at the Vatican City. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have gone before us. Jesus, we thank you for your blood, for the cross, that your life was poured out for us so that we can enter into life ourselves. Right now, Jesus, I pray that you would start to prepare hearts in this room, that you would start to prepare minds in this room, God, that walls would come down and be ready to receive your word. Lord, I, sp I pray that you would speak boldly through me, that the words that come out of my mouth are not mine, that they're yours, Jesus, that everyone that's watching at home gets impacted greatly by the word of God. And not, last but not least, the kids. We pray for colonial kids, Jesus. We pray that they come to find you even greater today, Jesus, that your word goes out in colonial kids and that kids are, uh, their, their spirits are quickened to your word and their lives become alive in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. John 4 is where we're at. Like I said, we're gonna start in verse seven. And Many people have heard this passage. This is the story of the woman at the well. How many have heard that before? Wow, there's, no one's heard it before. Wow, okay. This is going to be really enlightening for you guys. The woman at the well, it starts in uh, chap chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, before we jump into it, Jesus is moving from one town to another. He stops in a town called Sychar in the middle. That's in Samaria. And it's the middle of the day. It's noon, Okay. And it's the sixth hour of the day. The sixth hour of the day in the work week was noon. So it's literally like sun's up ahead. This is important to understand. And it's like beaming down. Imagine like St. Augustine hot this past week. Super hot. This upcoming week is going to be even hotter. So get ready. But sun's beaming down. Middle of the day. Jesus stops at this well. And there's this woman there. And this is what happens in verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew, other translations say, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you water. So some people read this verse and they think that Jesus is being like pompous, like hi, like if you only knew who I was, then you would give me water, right? That's not what, does that sound like Jesus? No, Jesus is not exclusionary. He's inclusionary. He, he wants to include people, right? He's not about exclusion. He's about inclusion. And so actually what's happening here is he's, his heart is breaking for this woman. That's what's happening in this moment. He's saying, if you only knew the gift of God. In other words, if you only knew the love that I have for you, the plan I have for you, the things that I'm going to do for you, that I'm going to go to the cross for you, if you only knew the things that have happened throughout history that has led to this moment of the Savior of the world sitting in front of this woman, if you only knew, you would give me a drink. It goes on in 
Verse 11, and the woman says to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. She's very like, looks at the facts, right? She tries to logic Jesus out of it. Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? In other words, she's saying, how do you sustain yourself? You have nothing to sustain yourself with. How do you do this? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Has He gave us the well and we drank from it himself and his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her in verse 13, everyone who drinks of the water will be thirsty again. In other words, everyone who drinks of this physical water, it will not sustain you forever. This will not sustain you forever. But listen to what he says. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him, speaking of salvation, they will never be thirsty again. You will be sustained forever, in other words. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Great, she's on board. So that I will not be thirsty and have to come here and draw water. But this is where it kind of changes a little bit. This is where Jesus starts to do his like Jesus things, right? It's like activated. Here he goes. You ready for this? Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband. Real smart, Jesus. Like She's like, I know. I just said I have no husband. And then you told me you have no husband. You're really rubbing it in, right? He goes on and he says, uh, for you have had five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. So he looks at her and says, I know you. I know you. Jesus knows you here in this place today. He knows you. It's significant that he says five husbands. Because in Samaria, if you were known to have more than three husbands in your lifetime, you're seen as tainted less than. Scholars believe that this is an outcast of a woman at the well. This is actually further enforced by the the fact that it's the middle of the day. Because all of the women at the time, would leave at the first hour of the day, 6, 7 a.m., and they would travel as a group to go to the well in the cool of the day to get the water for the day and then travel back to their town. But here is this woman. The only people who would go in the middle of the day are the people that were not able to be a part of the group. You hearing me? So we have this woman that is here, and she feels less than. Here's the truth today. God can use anyone. Anyone. You don't have to be a part of the group. You don't have to look the part. You don't have to have the things. He can use Anyone. That includes you here today. So this miraculous thing just happened where he looks at her, he's like, I know you. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Verse 19. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. What's happening here is Jesus was just telling her about this living water. He did this miraculous sign saying that he knows her, and the first thing that she does is try to logic herself out of receiving the gift. We do this. You do this. I do this. Jesus is like, yo, I got water for you that will sustain you forever. And she's like, but the Jews believe this, and Samaritans believe this, and so this isn't really going to work out, Jesus. But listen to Jesus' response. He cuts to the chase. Verse 21, he says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. Believe me. He just cuts right through everything. Don't believe the culture. Don't believe the thing that your mom's saying. Don't believe the thing that your friends are saying. Don't believe the group that you're not a part of that you so desperately want to. Just stop. Don't believe all that. Women, believe me. Believe in me. He's calling them out. You're calling her out. You see that? 
And then he goes, the hour is coming when uh, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship, as a Samaritan, what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but an hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is seeking such people to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What Jesus is saying to this woman here is he's saying, believe me, this water is for everyone. It's for everyone. It's for you, even when you don't feel like it is. It's for everyone. And her response to Jesus, because she would know that the only person that would make it for everyone is the Christ, is the Messiah. So her response to him says this. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. In other words, when Christ comes, it will be for me. Jesus says, verse 26, I who speak to you am he. I am the Christ, revelation. All of the things start to like, this would be like the moment in the movie when like the last thing drops and all the, all the things come together and you're like, wait, what? This is what's going on with this woman, right? So what's her response? It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Who knows me? Can this be the Christ? They, sent, or they went out of the town and were coming to him. Verse 39, moving on. Many Samaritans, <coughs> excuse me. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. The last verse we're going to read here today, verse 42. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard it for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. God can use anyone. Can't get to this. There we go. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this story is the entire Christian life. From top to tail, you may have missed it, but I'll explain it to you. This is the entire Christian life. This story does such a good job of explaining what our life is meant to look like as followers of Christ, what our relationships are meant to look like, what the people that we love are meant to hear from us. It actually does a great job of explaining it. And to explain this myself, I'm going to show you a timeline of the entire story. Does that sound good? Great. So up here, you can put up the first slide. There it is. This is the timeline of the entire story from the beginning to the end, right? And at the beginning of the story, we have this woman and we have Jesus. But the thing is, is the woman does not know that it is Jesus. You hearing me? The woman does not know that it is Jesus, and she is in ignorance of Jesus. And every single person that comes into this world is born into ignorance with Jesus. You hearing me? doesn't matter what family, if you're born into a Christian family or a non-Christian family or whatever it is, everyone needs a Savior and does not know about him as he hits this earth, this earth as we hit this earth. But then it moves on into encounter. You see, she meets Jesus, and she has an encounter with Jesus. It's the same thing for our lives. At some point in our lives, we are confronted with the fact of Jesus. Start getting to know Jesus, and then quickly it moves into the revelation of who God is, of who the person it is that we're talking to. This is the Messiah, the Christ. But now here comes an interesting part. We have the same revelation today, but we have a choice. The woman had a choice to believe or not to believe. She could have taken 
up, she could have taken Jesus' word or she could have moved on. We have the same thing. When we receive a revelation that Jesus came, he died, he gave his life for us, he rose again and he sent his Holy Spirit, we have a choice. We can believe or not believe, and that's the next section. She chose to believe, right? And we get an opportunity to choose to believe. So once we do that, we become Christians. This is the big moment, belief. When you put your belief in Christ and you say, you know what, God, I believe. I believe that you are the son. I believe that you came and died, this whole thing, right? She does, she puts her belief in Christ, and then it's the end of the story, right? No, there's more to the story. What's this last section of the story then? You see, what ends up happening to this woman is she hears what Jesus has to say, she puts her belief in him, and then she quickly moves into motivation of Jesus, Motivation for the things of Jesus. You see, you and I here today, we are called to move from belief into motivation. True belief leads to motivation. True belief leads to motivation. But the problem that we have in the 21st century church so many times is people make the choice to believe. They say, yes, Jesus, I believe. But then what happens is is they stop at this moment right here. You can go to the next slide. And they start seeking encounter. And they go back and they go, you know what? Awesome, I believe in Jesus. Now, what does that mean for me? I want to just keep, keep it going for me, right? And we start seeking the benefits of encounter rather than the person of Jesus himself. You see, Christian faith is not about the benefits. There are benefits to the Christian faith, but it's not about that. It is about the name of Jesus. That is what the Christian faith is about, Today, Christians, we get caught in the trap of seeking the benefits of encounter rather than Jesus himself. We are not called to have an encountered-seeking faith. We are called to have a Jesus-seeking faith. In other words, let me put it like this. It's not about the lights, the hype, the music, the service, the speaker, the worship leader, the the singing of songs, the conversations that you have, the posts we put on Instagram. It's about Jesus, period. And if we get that wrong... We gotta get we gotta bring it back in the line. We gotta put Jesus back at the head. Those things are nice. Like, don't get me wrong, the lights and the music and all that, those things are nice, they're benefits, they're great, but that is not our motivation. Jesus is meant to be our motivation. D.A. Carson puts it like this in his book, Worship by the Book. He says, as a brother put it to me, it's a bit like those who begin admiring the sunset and soon begin to admire themselves admiring the sunset. I read that, and it took me a couple days, guys. Are we simply admiring ourselves, or are we admiring the Son of God, Jesus? We need to stop trying to live out our past encounters, all of that, and start looking forward to what Jesus has for us. We don't need things. We need living water, not regular water. True belief leads to motivation. You with me? Did you notice that the woman in the story, she dropped her bucket? She, she put her bucket down. The, the writer actually includes a whole verse to talk about putting down the bucket. John 4, 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, you hearing me? Why would he do this? Like, nobody cares about the water jar. It's not a main character in the story. It's not a plot point. It's just a water jar. And he's like, takes the whole section out of the story to be like, you know what? She puts her water jar down. 
because she was so overwhelmed by the person of Jesus that she took the very thing that was sustaining her for all of those years and said, you know what? I'm done. I'm putting it down, and I'm going to follow the thing that is going to continually sustain me. So I want to encourage you, whatever that thing is, that bucket that you're holding on to, whatever that thing you've been going to to try to sustain yourself while trying to sustain a life of Christianity, just put it down. He cares so much more about us than that thing. So just put it down. He'll take care of you. I promise. We are not meant to be sustaining ourselves. Did you know that the Christian life is actually impossible? It's impossible. Christianity is the only religion that's impossible. If we try to sustain Christianity ourselves, we're not going to make it. But here's the truth. Jesus can sustain you. He will sustain you. It's not about us doing the things. It's about Jesus and what he's done for us. And then there's things a part of that. You're hearing me. You cannot sustain Christianity, but Jesus can sustain you. She had an encounter she had a revelation, she had belief, and then she quickly left what she was doing to live in motivation of Jesus. Are we motivated for the things of Jesus today? Um, if you can put that thing back up on the screen for me. Not every person in this place is going to be in a place maybe of belief or motivation, but I want to encourage you, where are you at on this journey? And what can you do today to take a, just another step forward? into what's next. Maybe you are stuck in belief, you believe in God, but you've never been motivated for him. Can I encourage you, start getting into the word, reading the word. It will fire you up. Maybe today's the day that you move from revelation of Jesus into belief, where you become a Christian. Amazing. Looking forward to that. So that's the entire Christian life, really shortly. The second thing I want to share with you is the answer to a big question, all right? The question is this, how do we sustain a life of motivation for Jesus? We've all heard of people getting fired up for Jesus, and then a couple years later or a couple months later, they're, they're fizzling out, right? How do we actually continue to sustain our life with Jesus? There's two things we can do, and the first one is this. You ready? Know Jesus. Actually know Jesus. Like, get to know Jesus. John 4.22 says, you worship what you do not know. Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman. But he, look, at, look at what he says. He says, we worship what we know. The woman had to actually take time and get to know Jesus. She, she spent time talking to him. She didn't have to. Jesus could have said, can you get some water? And she could have been like, walk away. You hearing me? Which so many of us do. And what I'm trying to say is that the ball was in her court. And the ball of your faith is in your court. It's so easy to point to all the other circumstances around us, kind of like she was trying to do, like, I believe this and you believe this. Jesus is like, no, 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 this is about you, right? The ball is in your court of your faith. It's up to you to get to know Jesus. So how do we do it? How do we get to know Jesus? It kind of all boils down to one thing. There's a lot of great things you can do, be in church, be around good friends. But the main thing is this, read his word. Just read the Bible. Please, I saw some t statistics earlier this week <laughs> that talked about the amount of Christians that read the Bible in this day and age, and it was saying that around 20% of Christians that are in church faithfully giving are actually picking up their Bible and reading it. The best thing we can do is open up the Bible and start to read. Read the word of God. It will change you. I have a friend of mine. His name's Jared. He was in prison from his uh, young years, 
into his like early 20s. And while, as he was there, he was in a cell by himself, and there was a cot, there was the toilet area, which is disgusting, and then in the other corner of his cell was a Bible, and it sat there for months and months and months, and he was angry, angry at it, didn't want to pick it up, didn't want to actually read it, but then one day, he finally caved, and he picked it up, and he started reading the Bible, he read it cover to cover again and again, and he walked into that prison, a convict, and he walked out fully on fire for Jesus, praising the name of God and wanting to see his kingdom go forward. A fully fleshed Christian. Here's the thing. He didn't have all the extra Christian things. He didn't have all the extra Christian friends. He didn't even have the holiest of friends. He probably had really bad friends. Let's be honest, right? But he just needed the words of Jesus. The most important thing that we can do is read the Bible. It's, a, it's amazing that we even have this. The fact that I can hold this in my hand is incredible. The amount of people that have given their lives so I can stand on this stage right now holding this Bible is incredible. It should be placed with the top priority of your life, but what ends up happening is we sit on the couch for 30 seconds a day looking at the day of verse on our, on our phone, flipping by real quickly and put it away. It's like, man, this is the, this is the living word of God. The holiest book in the world, the actual living word of God. We need to read it. And the second thing we need to do, we need to know Jesus. The second thing we need to do is do what he says. I'm just going to just put it right out there. We have to do what he says. The thing that actually sustains life is doing what the Father says. I skipped over a little bit of uh, the, the story, and it's this part of the story. The woman just goes out to reach her city, and the disciples come back. And everyone just skips the part of the story with the disciples because they were a basket case. But they're great, right? So they show up. They come back. They come back. It's John 4. They come back. They show up. And uh, they're talking to Jesus about food. And most people think it's kind of irrelevant, but I want to enlighten it to you just a little bit today. It says this, John 4, 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him to eat, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Okay, so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? In other words, how is he sustaining himself? How is he doing this? Look at Jesus' response. This blew my mind. Jesus said to them, my food, in other words, what sustains me, is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. You see, the problem with today is I feel like we can have a culture of Christian food critics that don't actually eat the food. Eat the food. Please, do what Jesus asks you to do. It will change your life. Read the word, know Jesus, and do what he says. If you're looking for something else, read Luke 6. It will blow your mind. I don't have time to go into it right now. Jesus has asked us, I think, personally, each person to do something. But there's also things that he's asked Christians in general to do. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus encourages us to do two things, to reach the world and to teach the world. So if you don't know what else to do, can I encourage you? You can reach the world and you can teach the world. Okay, that's number two, the answer to a big question. And the last thing I want to share with you today is a sculpture in the Vatican. This was shared with me by another pastor, and it was one of those things that when it was enlightened to me, I just couldn't get it out of my head. I just couldn't shake it. 
this, this statue. This depicts Jesus dead in his mother's arms, Mary. And it was made by Michelangelo in 1499. It's in St. Peter's Basilica. It's called the Pieta. And there's a story that comes along with this where Michelangelo, he just finished making this creation. It just got put on display. And he was standing near it as a couple came to look at it. And the couple came up and started admiring this sculpture and saying all of the things of how beautiful it was, the magnificence of Christ, all of this. But then they started giving credit to a different sculptor. And Michelangelo took that night, he left, and he was so frustrated about this that he came back with his carving knife that night and carved into Mary's sash, you can see it here, his name, his signature. And he put across the, 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 the chest of Jesus, Michelangelo, his own, his own calling card, so that people would know that it's about him. But here's the thing, he got so convicted the next day that he defiled this beautiful creation to put his own signature on it that he decided from that moment on, I am never signing a single per work of art in my entire life. I'm done. Because it's not about me. It's about the glory of Jesus. My art is supposed to sing the glory of Jesus. So I take my signature off of it. And what I'm trying to say for us is our lives is this work of art. And so many of us walk around and we're carving the name of ourselves into our sashes and we're saying, look at me. But gosh, Jesus is saying, man, it's not about you. It's never been about us. It's about Jesus. It's about the name of Jesus. And I just pray that your heart would break for our city. For the people that are out there that are living in ignorance of Jesus. They need him. We have him it's not about us. Let's take the signatures of our life off of the sashes of our life and put the name of Jesus there. Let's sing the name of Jesus so when people see Colonial, when they see your life, when they see your family, when they see your kids, they say, wow, something's different about them. What's going on with these people? And we can share the beautiful name of Jesus. We need to reach our city and we need to teach our city. Will you stand with me? You know, as I was preparing this message, God put this question on my heart. And in a moment, we're going to sing, and we're going to display the glory of God back to him. But as we do this, I want you to, to question this question. And that's this. The woman at the well, God asked her, Jesus asked her to bring her husband, and she brought her city. What is God asking you today to do? Lord, we thank you that you're a good God and that you're here and that you're moving in our hearts right now. Lord, I pray that you would help us take the signatures off our life so that we can display the glory of God. It's not about us, God. It's about you. It's about what you're doing, God. We pray less of us and more of you, God. Lord, show us what you're asking us to do. Lord, I pray that you would help us to reach our world, that you would help us to teach our world, that you give us the boldness to take steps out and talk to the people to say the things that we've been thinking about saying, but we haven't. Lord, we pray that your son would be on display forever and ever. To you be the glory forever and ever. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you. 
and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.